Hi everyone, it's so good to be sharing today's message and joining all of you from wherever you're watching from. Um, I definitely miss seeing everyone in person, it's so weird to be yeah, at home, um, but I know that these ch church online is reaching so many people and it's so good to have such a cool resource. Um, so it's so good to be continuing our series on hope. We've been looking at hope over the last few weeks and I'm going to be in particular looking at hope for the past, what this means for us today. So I'm Betty, I'm a student here at Phoenix. I've been coming along since I moved to Bristol for uni studying law. I moved from Exeter where I live with my parents and my sister um, and yeah it's so good to be part of the church family here. It's been so cool to see everything that God has been doing over the last few couple years, few years um, and yeah it's so good to be a tiny tiny part of that. So I'm going to be sharing on hope for the past. I believe this is such a key message in understanding the gospel. When we understand the gospel, the hope that we can have in the gospel, it changes everything. When we realise how much we've been forgiven by Jesus and how much him dying on the cross has changed our stories, it frees us from living in guilt, frees us from living in condemnation. And suddenly we find ourselves being able to come before a holy God, knowing us ourselves have been cleansed and washed clean and can stand before him as holy. And so the passage we're going to look at today is from Colossians. This is one of Paul's letters um, and this is the Church of Colossae. This was written whilst Paul was in prison. Um, so Colossians 1 verse 15 to 23. And Paul says this, the supremacy of the Son of God. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of evil behaviour. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you as holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard that has now been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become servant. I love this passage because as you read it, you just become so filled with awe and wonder at who Jesus is. He's this firstborn from among the dead. All these descriptions that just fill me with so much excitement. As we read this passage, I want us to understand that the past has no hold on us. 
Verse 16 is referencing to the creation story. God creates this perfect world where Adam and Eve, they walked side by side with God. They walked with God in the cool of day. There is no separation between them and God. Everything that God created, he named it, he calls it good. But we know that the story doesn't end there. Adam and Eve eat the forbidden fruit. And suddenly they find themselves separated from God because now they have sin. And find, suddenly they find themselves separated from God. I love how the scripture in the Bible says before Adam and Eve walked without shame. And one of the first things that Adam and Eve tried to do is try to hide themselves because they realised that they were naked and they suddenly find themselves in shame. And this is kind of what the past can do to us, isn't it? That we can find ourselves trying to hide different things because we are ashamed. But actually, that's not our story. All of us have sinned. All of us, like Adam and Eve, have fallen short of the glory of God, have fallen short of this perfect world that God created. If you're anything like me, you probably mess up all the time. You've probably done things wrong that maybe you regret. But actually the thing about the past that seems so obvious but it's so, so important to understand that it, it is in the past. We all have a past, whether we've grown up Christian our whole lives or whether we've recently come to faith through Alpha, none of us are excused from having a past or from sin or from messing up. We live in a world that is far from the standard that God originally intended. And like I was saying before, maybe for some of us, the past is something that we think about and can kind of almost shadow and kind of start to go around in feelings of shame and condemnation. But this is not what God intended for us. The past is in the past. Verse 21 says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour. Once you were, once you were, this is not your present reality. You don't have to walk around in shame. What Adam and Eve did does not define the rest of the story. Because we know that there is one, there is Jesus, there is one who came. And he has rewritten all our stories. He's turned beauty, he's turned ashes into beauty. And he has rewritten our stories. So the second point I want to make is that the cross is greater than your past. Verse 22 says this, But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you as holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Over summer, I read through the Old Testament books of law, so the first five books in the Bible. They follow the journey and the story of creation in Genesis and the story of the Israelites and their entrance into the Promised Land. When I was reading the books, especially Leviticus, I was struck by how, much, how many sacrifices the Israelites had to do, all so that they could be holy, because God is holy. There are these different sacrifices, some of them called burnt offerings and grain offerings, and they had to present these to God because they were they they sinned. 
The passage is titled The Supremacy of the Son of God. Jesus, God, is holy. And all of us here have been made holy through Jesus. I love this passage because it leaves us with such awe and reverence of this holy God. Jesus is holy. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created. That includes me, that includes you. You're part of these all things that were created by him. Things in heaven, things on earth, visible, the things we can see with our own eyes, the trees, the plants, he created them. Whether thrones or powers or rulers, authorities, governments, kings, queens, presidents, prime ministers, they were all created by him. All authorities have been created by him. So they all bow and are under the leadership and authority of King Jesus. All things have been created through him and for him. So if you're here watching this today and you ever doubt your purpose, just remember you were created through him and you were created for him. You were created to bring honour to him. You are created to bring glory to him and he delights in you. He delights in you. So everything was created through him, everything was created for him, and everything bows to him. And one of my favourite descriptions of Jesus in the Bible is in Revelations 1 verse 14 to 15. And this is one of, uh, one of John's visions of Jesus, the exalted and risen Jesus. And John says this about him. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. I love this image of Jesus, that he's so fierce, he's so mighty, he's so powerful. He's bigger than any box I could ever try and fit him in because he's so much wilder than my wildest dreams and he's so much greater, so much more kind, so much more powerful, so much more good than I could ever imagine him to be. But the one who created all things, the one who is before all things, is also the one who humbled himself. Coming to earth as a baby, the most vulnerable state of the human body. Coming through the virgin birth of Mary, a teenage girl. He didn't come through an established family. He didn't come through a rich family. He didn't come through a, a well-known family, but he came through Mary and Joseph. He came through a teenage girl defying all of the societal norms, defying everything that you expect the king of kings to come as. He came in a stable. He died the most painful death, bearing the weight of all my sin. He nailed all my past to that cross. He nailed all my sin to that cross, carried the cross that I, I definitely deserve to carry, but actually he came in humility, in, hum in absolute show of love and died for all of us. The Israelites 
like I was saying before, had to present all these sorts of all sorts of sacrifices from burnt offerings, grain offerings, and all these sacrifices so that they could be holy. But we have something so much better today. We have Jesus Himself who came to be the ultimate sacrifice, but none of us would have to ever slay another lamb, but we can just call out to him and say, Father, forgive me, Father, be with me. We have instant access to God. Because in dying on the cross, he tore the veil that once separated us from God. The veil is torn. No longer do we have to do all these things, but we have instant access to a holy God. I love the song Cornerstone. I love that line that says, when he shall come with trumpet sound. And it goes on to say that faultless I will stand before the throne. And this is our story now in accepting Jesus as our saviour, as our king. This has become our story that we can stand faultless and blameless knowing that we have been washed clean through the act that Jesus did when he said it is finished on that cross. He tore down every stronghold, every bit of shame that I've ever felt, every bit of condemnation and he nailed it to that cross. I love how as we carry on reading Colossians in Colossians 2 towards the end, um, towards the end in verse, verse 15, it says that, um, speaking about the death of Jesus, it says, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And so we don't have to live in shame anymore because we know that there is one who has triumphed over death, who has triumphed over my shame, who has triumphed, triumphed over your shame, your past, your guilt, your sins. And in doing so, he made a public spectacle. He made a public spectacle of the enemy, of the devil. And this is why the gospel is such good news. This is why we rejoice. We come to church every Sunday and rejoice and are filled with hope. And this is why we live our lives the way we do, because we understand and we know that there is one who found us dead in our sins. There is one who found us, who found me dead in my shame. And he walked in and he stepped in and he saved me. And he just doesn't save you, but he puts you back together. He rewrites those wrongs and he's, the Bible tells us that he has paid the debt. He has paid the debt. The gospel is good news. It's good news for, for me. It's good news for you today. There is one who has saved you. So what is our response in knowing this? How do we respond? Paul tells us to remain established in hope, remain established in this hope that has been given to us through the gospel. Verse 22 to 23 says this, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you as holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move, from the hope held out in the gospel. A couple of weeks ago, um, during the response time, Toby 
prayed over the young people in our church that there would be would be people who are established who have strong and firm foundations and I remember I went home and I jotted that down because it meant so much to me um, but that's Paul's prayer for us today that's Paul, Paul's prayer for all of us that's Paul's heart that all of us would be established and firm in the gospel that all of us will be secure in this hope that Jesus died for us, nailing our sins, nailing all our iniquities and everything we've ever done to the cross. And this is the gospel that Paul wants us to build our lives on. This is the hope and the foundation that Paul wants us to have a grip, a grip of. And there is a lot that can shake us. There is a lot that will shake us. The storms will come. Over the last few weeks, I felt deeply sad about the death of our friend Matt. But throughout all of it, I have prayed and cried out to God that, Father, for all my friends, for everyone who loved Matt, for everyone who knew him, Father, do not let us be shaken from the hope that is held out in the gospel. I pray that all of us will be anchored in hope, knowing that there is one who is resurrection, Jesus is the resurrection, Jesus is life. And so I can sit here knowing that Matt, my friend, is with Jesus. Knowing that he has found absolute peace with our friend Jesus. The gospel is our anchor. And Jesus has paid the price. John Piper puts it like this, the gospel is the good news. The good news that there is hope for sinners, the worst of sinners, the hope of forgiveness, a weeping harlot saved by grace, the hope of reconciliation, a broken prodigal coming home, the hope of holiness, a leper cleansed by the touch of Jesus. And this is my story, this is your story today, that once you were dead, once you were dead in your sin, but once we were so lost that there is one who came and saved us. I love the story of the Samaritan woman when she goes back to her town, her village. She, um, she says, I found a man who told me everything I ever did. But the thing about Jesus, he just doesn't tell us everything we ever did, but he, he cleanses it and wipes it all clean. The slate is wiped, wiped clean. He, just doesn't, he does, just doesn't find us, but he puts us back together. All that was broken. He takes us and he molds us into who he wants us to be and this is an invitation for all of us today this is the invitation he says come i will take all that's broken i'll take you all your past and i'll rewrite every wrong this is our invitation we only need to ask and he will come in we only need to ask and he will forgive every sin everything we've ever done Jesus is our hope. Jesus is the, the story of how he died for us. That's the hope we have today. And this is why the, the gospel is such good news. And so Jesus says to all of us today, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with that person and they with me. 
Another version says, I will dine with that person and they with me. And Jesus longs, longs for that. He longs to come in. He's knocking on the door of our hearts every day, just saying, Betty, wherever you are, I'm here, I'm here. He's the closest friend who sticks closer than a brother. Yeah, so Father, thank you so much that you are hope. That you sent your son Jesus to die the most painful death, carrying the weight of every sin, of every bit of shame, every bit of condemnation. Jesus, you carried on your shoulders on that cross. But Father, you just didn't carry it, but you nailed it on the cross. So no longer do we have to live in shame, plagued by what we've done in our past or our sin or condemnation. But Father, today we can stand before a holy God, knowing that you call us worthy and you call us holy. So Father, be with us today and forever. And may we answer that knock on the door of our hearts and let you in, King Jesus.